Hi, we're Robin and Shelby, and you're listening to the Rising Rebel podcast. Through this podcast, our vision is to empower women to go for their dreams and have the courage to stand in their power. If you are someone who wants to live consciously, explore and shift your mindset, deepen your desire for personal growth, and really rebel against the shoulds and limiting beliefs that are holding you back, you've come to the right place. Here, we dig deep into the journey back to self and uncover that inner knowing that allows us to live from a place of alignment and authenticity. If the universe has placed us in your path, get ready because we're going on a wild and expansive ride. If you're on a journey of self-discovery, we've created an incredible experience just for you. Essentially, we've created what we wish we had to streamline our own personal development journey. It's called the Evolve and Expand Online Retreat and it goes live September 30th. We've curated the best experts, teachers, and coaches from around the globe to bring you a -a one-of-a-kind learning experience. Some of our own biggest breakthroughs have happened when we least expected it, and often from leaders and teachers who weren't even on our radar. We believe that blending and finding a balance of modalities to serve, expand, and involve your mind, body, and soul is really the secret sauce to initiating quantum shifts. Visit www.evolveandexpandretreats.com to purchase your ticket or enter our giveaway. We've made the next step on your journey easy, accessible, and affordable. You'll get to learn from 27 different workshops and over 27 hours of content, all with lifetime access. So if you're ready to choose you and dive deep, we'd be absolutely honored for you to join us. Hello, magical humans. You've got Shelby here. Welcome back to the Rising Rebel podcast. On today's episode, I get to interview Adrian Bishop, and she is a life and parent coach specializing in helping overwhelmed and anxious, highly sensitive moms parent their highly sensitive kids with confidence and without losing themselves in parenting. What a mouthful. (laughs) Um, It was such a fun episode. She's a certified hypno life coach and positive discipline parent educator who loves helping families break generational cycles. We talked all about, you know, what it means to be highly sensitive and also what a trigger can mean when it comes to parenting. And uh, we also talk about breaking those generational cycles. So anyways, it's a jam-packed episode and we might as well just jump right on in. Hello, Adrian, and welcome to the Rising Rebel podcast. I am so, so jacked to have you here with us. I'm excited. Yeah. Thanks. I, I always say us because I always pretend like Robin's in the room, but oh, it's just wait. me. <laughs> her, the spirit of her is there. She's there. She's always with us. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So let's go. I just, I want to dive into you and get to know you a little bit. Where in the world are you? I want to ask that first. Yeah. I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the States. Oh, amazing. Cool. Okay. And you are a positive parenting coach. And how do you explain yourself? Like if somebody walked up to you on the street and said, what do you do? (laughs) How would you answer that question? Yeah. So um, I actually call myself a life coach for highly sensitive families, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, I use positive parenting in my coaching, which is my philosophy, my parenting philosophy. I was trained 
in positive discipline, um, which is a very similar to conscious parenting, gentle parenting. They're all sort of in the same realm. Positive parenting has a lot of tools that are very lo like logistical, like say these words, there's there's like some scripts in there, which un you know conscious parenting doesn't have as many, but it's the same concepts. And so basically what I do is I help parents, especially highly sensitive ones, to be able to regulate their nervous system um, and understand their kids that are also sensitive so that they can help them regulate their nervous system so they don't have like an emotional crazy blow up house all the time um, and just really help people to understand each other help the parents understand the kids and help them understand themselves with in regards to being highly sensitive or even just you know i work with non-highly sensitive families too just understanding the behaviors that that the kids are doing so that they can actually feel calmer about them because as soon as you understand something you stop being anxious about it or worried as much and then also they can address it and solve it in a much more like connective authentic way mm. that's that's cool and it's a very holistic approach because i think some of our past approaches you know throughout the, you know many moons ago well, some are still doing it this way, but we really focus on the child, right? We focus on like what's wrong with the child. How mm -hmm. can we fix the child? And what you're yep. saying is that if you don't bring it back to the parent, you're still going to have that blow up because really it's so much of it falls on the parent's experience as well. Right. And just being able to co-regulate, right? So that's like the, the key term, like is just the idea of you when you co-regulate with your child, meaning you're calm, your energy is calm, even when there's isn't to help them calm actually creates neurons in their brain that help them learn how to self-regulate, which is what we want with. We want them to learn how to be calm without us, right? So eventually that's what happens. So it's super important that the parents involved in paying attention to their own regulation and their own emotions. Otherwise, you're going to have a much harder time to, you know, teach your child to speak nicely to you and express themselves in words instead of physical, um, you know, and stop screaming or stop, you know, stop some of those more intense behaviors. If you're not giving them that calm, essentially, you're kind of like placing it in their brain. And it's the neuroscience now is like really, really solid on that. So it's kind of cool to like, mm -hmm. understand why these tools actually work, even though we knew they did. But now we actually like have the science backing it up and being like, yep, yeah, this is how people, you know, this is how children learn how to regulate themselves is literally with these neurons that are created by their parents. Like it's really neat. So, mm. so I kind of just do dove right in, but actually let's rewind for a second. How did you get to where you are now? Because I know <laughs> most coaches have a story of like, Hey, I overcame this in my life and now I'm helping other people do it. So was that, was there something similar with you? Yes. So, um, I have three kids and when my third was born, he was a newborn. Um, I was, I was doing okay, but I realized that I really didn't understand why my older two were acting the way they were acting. I didn't really feel like I had a handle on anything parenting wise. Also, I'm sensitive. So I had a lot of my own anxieties that were kind of taking over essentially um, my, my world. And I didn't feel present with them because of it. Like I just felt like I was in like this weird anxiety bubble all the time and overwhelm. And I was like, this, this can't be the only option. Like, I just feel like there's something else. And then my oldest daughter, who was currently 13, she was seven at the time, was just a handful, like in, a, in the best way. She's like spirited, strong-willed um, and very sensitive. Um, and I was just always, I wanna say like intimidated by her to be honest. And I didn't want that to be the dynamic that we had. Um, and so I was like, all right, this is it. Like I have three children now, like I, I have to figure this out. Like I can't just, like, you know, 
try many, many things and keep failing and failing and failing. I got to like get some help. And so I actually um, hired a life coach, which was the first one that I had and started to learn how to like manage myself. Just like, what the heck do I do with all this, this overwhelm and these emotions? Like, how do I get through it? And the life coach was very, like, it was very much focused on like thoughts and changing your thinking, um, taking, you know, like knowing that your thoughts create your feelings and um, which helped a lot. I needed that because at, at the time I was in this like victim mode of like everything's happening to me and I have no control and it's everyone else's fault. And then, so as soon as I started working with the life coach, it was like, oh, I do have a lot that I can contribute and control. And it really did shift a lot for me. And then I um, started reading a lot of parenting books. And then I was realizing that the combination of me being able to manage my feelings and also having these tools, it was actually working. Like my kids were like shifting in how they listened and how they cooperated. And my daughter that tended to have a lot of meltdowns was like getting calmer faster. And I was just like, wait a minute, like what's happening? Of course, I was just like super excited. But it just started to like, you know, I got so passionate about it. I got so excited that I was like, if I didn't know about this, that means many other people didn't know about it either. And I was shifting my careers anyway. I used to be a music teacher and I wanted to do something a little bit, you know, more one-on-one with, with adults. Like I just wanted to work with adults and I wanted to help adults. And so at the time, my, the life coach I was working with was like, well, why don't you just go into this area, you know, and do the niche of parenting and do what you know with your emotional, you know, information and then add in the parenting information and then you can kind of have your own niche. And I was just like, that's a thing. Like, I'm sorry, what? You know, this is like five and a half years ago. So I was just like really, really surprised that even that even was a possibility. I um, got certified in positive discipline first. And that was an amazing experience. It was so like eye opening. And then I decided, okay, I'm just going to like offer some free sessions to some people and like 10 people took me up on it, like in like a day. And I was just like, okay, I guess this, this is, is wanted. something people want. <laughs> and then I just took off from there. I started creating workshops in my libraries and stuff like that. And it was great. It was so much fun. I had a blast. I still am having a blast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is, that's really cool. And I like that, you know, you say like, well, maybe you didn't say this and I just inferred it, but it wasn't like this huge thing that had to happen. It seems like there was just a few little shifts and switches that you did in your own subconscious rewiring and your own nervous system regulation and the whole paradigm of your family shifted. It's very true. It it was a lot of small shifts because then I ended up like working with other professionals kind of in conjunction with the life coaching. So it was like a lot of different things that kind of I pieced together as to like what I needed to, I guess you could say heal, you know, in a sense, like, and just understand myself. Um, I have a coach that, I mean, I'm sorry, I have a therapist that works with only highly sensitive people, right? So like, I really had like a lot of support in that during that time um, that made a huge difference in how I saw myself and like how I was able to um, just like see my kids. Like it just shifted everything for how I interacted with them. Mm-hmm. And your workshop that you're doing inside of the Evolve and Expand online retreat, it's stop getting triggered by your highly sensitive kids. And the word triggered, um, I think you've mentioned it before in a different podcast that I've listened to. It was like a reaction or response that comes out of nowhere. I remember you saying that and it clicked for me. I was like, oh, that's a really amazing way of explaining a trigger because it doesn't always have to be this like trauma response. You know, like it can, it's just a response that comes out of nowhere for some people. So can you elaborate a little bit more on how you help people with the triggering? 
Yes, that's such a good point because I think a lot of times the, the word trigger is like thrown around a lot just mm-hmm. as like a thing. Um, but what, what I'm using in it is the context of like, so you have your conscious mind, which is your thoughts, and then you have your unconscious mind, which is the everything else, right? And so your conscious mind thoughts, you can change to change your feelings. Like that is a possibility, but then there's all this other stuff that you can't consciously change because you're not aware of it. So this is all the programming, all the conditioning, the societal, cultural biases that just sort of like seep into our unconscious that we're not even aware of are running our lives. They're like, it's like a program on a computer and that's being run by default. And so what happens is, let's say your your child is like rude or says something like, you know, disrespectfully, our unconscious can get triggered because maybe we were disrespected at some point or by our parents, right? And then you're all of a sudden you're pissed and you're like, why does this feel so awful in my body? And so it's a very visceral, I I like to say it's like a visceral reaction where it's like automatic visceral, where you're just like, you know, and you have that feeling. And no matter what you do to change your thinking, to change how you feel about them, to like understand where they're coming from, you like struggle to kind of move away from that feeling. So that typically is like where the trigger part comes from because it's in, you know, coming from the unconscious. Mm-hmm. One that I, I notice um, that I find really interesting is when children um, reject somebody. So say like, you know, somebody comes in for a hug and the little kid's like, no, like goes away. The amount of emotion that comes up for certain people is so interesting to me. And I go, oh, that's a trigger for them because they obviously have felt rejected before or whatever. And this small child is just reminding them of that, even probably unconsciously because of the emotion that comes up. Like, it's kind of like what you said out of left field, like, whoa, they get so angry. It's like, oh, I don't want to hug anyways. Yeah. It's like disproportionate sometimes too. You're just like, well, it's just a kid, but yeah, yeah, it still affects them really deeply. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And the same thing can happen like in a grocery store if a kid's like whining or something and the mom like loses it on the kid. It's like it probably has absolutely nothing to do with that specific situation. It has to do with what it's bringing up for them. Exactly. Yeah, that's really true. And then sometimes you have that. It's the same idea where I work with my clients on helping them reduce their baseline stress, which is one of the things that tends to create blow ups. Right. If you're if you're building on that stress, you're not processing emotions throughout the day. You're not conscious of your body feelings. You're not you know, paying attention to that. A lot of times that's where the blow ups come from because you're just so it's like, it's like a bucket that's overflowing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like it kind of is, it's, it's like in your brain, there's like this, like, you know, moment where it's like, can't do it anymore. It just has to react. You can't control it. You can't willpower it. You can't keep it in. And so again, very unconscious too. You're not thinking like my stress level is very high right now. So I'm going to blow up. Right. Yeah, so like, it's very up. unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So what do you say to, you know, the moms that are in that begin? Well, I mean, I'm only in the beginning stage. My daughter is just over 18 months. So that's, that's the world I live in right now. But what do you say to the moms that don't feel like there is a way that they can reduce their stress levels or they just think it's part of life? Like that's what's supposed to be. You're a busy mom, you're running around, you know, things are chaotic. Do you have any uh, words of wisdom or advice that you can give somebody that allows them to see that there is small little things? Like what are the small things that people can start doing so that their bucket doesn't get so full? You know, it's so funny that you say that because, um, a lot of times people are very 
unaware, obviously, of the of the things that are creating stress, mm-hmm. and they just think that it's just a normal part of normal part of life that they, you know, they just have to kind of move through. One of the things that I talked to one of my clients today about, actually, she has three kids and they're like 12, 10 and seven, I think. And every time she said to me, I, so she stays home. And when her kids are about to come home, she feels this like immediate sense of dread because every time they come in, they just talk and talk and talk and talk and say, and tell her stories and ask her questions, say, mom, 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 mom. And she gets super overwhelmed. And I think that's one of the things that she had assumed was just, the way it was, right? Kids talk a lot. They have a lot to tell her. She's responsible for it. She's going to be overwhelmed. And so I said to her, what are you making it mean when your kids tell you stories? Like, what do you think that is in regards to like how it relates to you? What do you need to do if they say that? And she said, well, I have to tell them how to fix the problem, or I have to give them some really great wisdom or take on the opportunity to teach them something. And I said, does that feel light or heavy? And she was like, that feels so heavy. Mm. And I said, right. I said, this is something that we want to recognize and be aware of because in reality, they're just connecting with you, right? They're just processing how they're feeling. They're just processing what happened externally. Mm-hmm. Possibly they might have an issue that they want want help with, but if, it, if there is an issue that they want help with, you will know. It will be very clear because they won't let it go or they'll bring it up multiple times or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but like most of these little tiny you know, stories or comments on what has happened or questions they have for you, you don't have to give it like all this emotional effort. You don't have to help them do, you know, move away from all these things or feel better. Or, you know, it's not, it's not this heavy responsibility that she was adding to things, right. Which was creating her overwhelm Mm -hmm. and then uh, not allowing her to even enjoy being with her kids. So like actually just listening to them and connecting with them because it was so heavy for her. Um, so that's some of the things that like we, when we talk through in coaching, you kind of realize that it's happening, but you didn't understand it before. Like it wasn't in your awareness. Um, another one of my clients, she says to me, I feel like I'm a constant cheerleader for my children, like trying to motivate them to do things 24 seven, mm-hmm. right? This is not something that is our responsibility. This is, we are not supposed to be our kids cheerleader, right? This is, this. it's one of the things that you can do is get your kids to cooperate without having it feel like it's a hundred percent your responsibility. And so it's just little things like that. Um, that just make a huge difference when you figure out, oh my God, like I'm totally adding all of this heaviness and responsibility to myself. When in reality, it's probably not as big a deal as I'm making it. It's probably not as heavy. And because I think now in, especially all this conscious parenting, gentle parenting, positive parenting, it's a lot about scripts and, you know, paying attention to our kids. And so what sometimes that leads us to do is to feel like we have to be available to them emotionally 24 seven. And that's not really going to be realistic, you know, for your own nervous system, like it's going to burn you out. And so I think a lot of, especially my clients who are sensitive are like, well, I can't ignore my kids. And I'm like, you're not, you're just not available 24 seven for every little tiny thing. Right. Um, And I think a lot of parents have gotten into that, into that mode just because of all that's out there now about how, the emotional intelligence and the, you know, the, the learning that the, the child needs to do and how we need to hear them and make sure they're understood and seen. And, um, it leads them to think, oh my gosh, if I don't do that 24 seven, like something's going to go wrong, they're going to be damaged. And then they're, then the responsibility just like, you know, is just on top of them, like a, like a weight. Mm-hmm. And I think too, like, 
getting back to that first story of the woman who's was overwhelmed by her kids talking so much and she thought she had to have all these responses you know something i learned was a lot of people and actually the phrase is um we only speak for one reason and it's to be heard and so Mm -hmm. how how amazing is that that our literal only job to do with our children is to be there, be present and just listen. Like that's, that's all they want. They don't want all the responses constantly. They really just want us to sink in, make eye contact, like be there, be present and just listen to them with whatever they want. And that to me, I brought that into my own parenting because sometimes you're just exhausted. You have nothing left to give, but like I'm never too exhausted to sit there and watch my kid and be like on ground level with her looking at her eyes and, and, you know, just listening to, well, she's not talking yet, but you know what I mean? Like it actually takes a lot less energy than you think just to be present, not with your cell phone, not with the TV on in the background, but just that presence. Anyways, I'm not the parenting coach, but that's, that's what I I do. It's true. It's not just kids that want that. It's everyone in the world, right? It's every person. And so definitely understanding that like, there's no, there's nothing else you need to do except, well, one of the things I like to say is that parents, mostly moms, um, are, are like holding space for Mm -hmm. their children. Like just like a therapist or coach would do. It's like, you cannot put a money value on how amazingly important that is to be able to have someone in your life that holds space for you. And, um, in like a non-judgmental curious way is what I mean. Right. So, you know, and that is something that can be very, um, hard to learn as a parent, which is one of the things I teach my clients. But when you're able to do that, your child will feel so will be able to really understand themselves in like a whole new way and also be able to trust that their feelings are real and trust themselves like kind of implicitly that, um, you know, what they're feeling is right and good and normal, um, which is like everything that you can possibly, you know, hope for a kid. Like last night, my daughter's having a lot of trouble in middle school. She's 13. And she just got very overwhelmed by the work because it's seventh grade. They now have like double the amount of homework. Mm. And she just like broke down and she had all these existential questions. Like, why do we exist? Why does the world exist? Like, why do we have school? What is, why do we have stress? Why do we have pain? You know, it was like, it was like intense. And hopefully one day she won't listen to this, but <laughs> no, it's fine. but um, she, But eventually, like, I just, I literally said to her, I just sat there and I, you know, rubbed her hair and I listened and I said, do you really want, do you want me to actually answer those questions or do you want me to just listen? And she goes, no, I want you to answer those questions. So we had a little bit of a discussion and we talked through kind of how she was feeling. And then by the end of the night, she said to me, you know, mom, you just make me feel so much better. Mm -hmm. And that was, that's just everything to me. Like, it was just, you know, it's awesome. And that's taken a lot of work and time. I'm not saying it's like, you know, overnight where you're just immediately helping your kids like feel better. Like, and it took hours, right? It wasn't a minute or two. It was lots of sort of processing and talking through stuff. And as you get to the older ages, that's what happens. But, um, it's just that sort of thing that you like, you realize that that is so, so, so super important in, in, in like my, in anybody's life to have someone that can just listen to them and be present. And then, I didn't make her feel better. She just felt better because she was able to like actually get some of that stuff out. Um, And I was able to just kind of hold that space for her while she did it. Um, And, you know, your spouse can do that for you. A friend can do that for you. But 
to have a parent as a child do that for you is just it's just such a gift. Yeah, that that's really really cool, especially when they can come to their own conclusions on things too. It's like we can give them little pieces of our knowledge, but I I sort of I sort of hold this thought that you know, I want to like break the cycle of how and by no means was I raised poorly, but I want to do it differently in the way that I want my daughter to have her own thoughts, her own feelings. And if we're always just like giving them the information that we know, that's how yeah. they know their information. How are they ever going to come up with their own point of view or their own, you know, interpretation of things if we're always just giving them the answers for everything? Totally. Yep. 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 Yeah, exactly. It goes out the window, right? No, you know, it's really important, especially like as they get older to kind of put it back on them. And like, especially in the older years, they don't want you to solve their problems. They want to actually come to it themselves. And I think a lot of times it's so easy though, as a parent to just be like, oh, I know the answer because I went Mm -hmm. through this and I can fix it like in five seconds flat. And then guess what will happen is that my kid will feel better than I'll feel better. Right. So it's really easy to just like want to solve all of it for your kids Um, because it's uncomfortable for them to to see them struggle, to see them, you know, try to figure it out on their own. But that is exactly how they you know, what's what they need. And to be honest, it's the most effective because the more that you're telling them X, Y or Z, the less they want to listen to it (laughs) or follow it, especially as they get older. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely a good a good move. Yeah. And there was this term that was like really popular, the helicopter parent. Right. And I was just at this um, birthday party with a bunch of girlfriends the other night and somebody's like, oh, it's not helicopter parenting anymore. It's and I'll get it wrong, but it was like snowplow. Yes. The snowplow. Okay, I had it right. And it was like moving everything that could possibly go wrong out of the way. So there's this clear path for your kid to walk on. And I go, oh, crap good thing I knew about this. Cause I think I might have been like starting to go down that way. So I would, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you say to the parents that are like, Oh, but I don't want them to struggle. Like what are the, what are the positive yeah. things about having your child actually go through some struggle and how can you navigate that feeling of uncomfortableness? Cause it's one thing to know why you're supposed to do it, but how do we actually self-regulate when they're having a tantrum or when they're freaking out and all you want to do is fix it but how do we actually come back in and self-regulate ourselves? Those two questions. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Allowing them to struggle is what you said. And I think that's, it's so valuable because, you know, as humans, we have a wide range of emotions that we need to learn how to deal with. So if your kid somehow never feels disappointed or never feels frustrated, they're going to become adults that don't want those emotions to happen. And that becomes a really, really bad scene. So when I am, when I'm seeing my kids struggle, I say to myself, this is actually helping them. This is giving them this gift of learning how to experience these emotions and I'm supporting them through it. So like one of the ways that I regulate myself when these things are happening is through some thoughts. Like I definitely have a thought like that, like this is normal, this is good, this is actually beneficial for them to do this. And then I also say something like in my mind, nothing's gone wrong here. This is normal, this is okay. Right. And so I just kind of give myself that like neutralizing language where it makes me not immediately think there's a huge problem that I have to like somehow stop or get rid of or solve. Um, It makes me just kind of stay present and more be more accepting of what's happening with my kids. Um, And so that definitely can downregulate your nervous system. Another thing you can do is just simple. I mean, like I hate to say deep breathing, but, you know, one of the things that um, actually, you know what, I'm going to go away from deep breathing. That is an option. But one of the things I love to say is like, 
I sometimes will even put my hand on my heart and I'll say to myself, of course, of course you want to make this stop. Like, of course you're feeling uncomfortable because you don't want this to be happening, right? It's not fun. And I just give myself that validation. Um, and what happens when you do that, you will be surprised to feel the feelings just kind of dissipate. Because what's all that's happening is that normally we have these feelings of like panic or worry or sadness when they are upset or struggling and we resist them. We think in our head like, oh my gosh, I just want to stop feeling this way or I shouldn't feel this way or come on, like just, you know, stop doing this. And then what happens is your feelings get pressed under and then they become much more intense. So you're actually doing the opposite when you're allowing yourself to have that validation moment where I'd say it makes so much sense that you feel this way. Of course. Right. So I love those kinds of words, um, especially since like, you know, we didn't grow up in the gentle parenting era. So we need to do that for ourselves now. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's really it's a really great way to calm yourself down. Well, I was just going to say, it sounds like when the kid's having the freak out and you're triggered, mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with that situation. So by placing your hands on your heart, it's almost like you're, you're giving yourself compassion possibly for that little child inside of you, that's the ones that's having the freak out because our adult resource self is not having the freak out to our, our child having the tantrum. It's our triggered state, which is not our mm -hmm. adult resource state, right? So it's like, right. I love that putting your hands on your heart, like just having that compassion for yourself or feeling that way, acknowledging it is mm -hmm. yeah, huge. Just acknowledging yeah, so like, yeah this is uncomfortable. Yeah. And I, you know, when you work with like a coach or a therapist, like a lot of times that's what they're doing for you. They're just, they're just mirroring some, some of your, um, you know, your emotional process right now. It's like, yeah, that's really hard. And like, it's crazy just to even have someone do that for you, how you can just feel better, mm -hmm. right? Like immediately, right. It can, it can help you process through what you're fearing, feeling. So like that's just doing the same thing for yourself, essentially, when you don't have somebody there to like, you know, in, in that moment where your kid's having a tantrum, you can't like talk to your therapist, but you can do it for yourself. Um, another thing that I actually really like to do, and this isn't something you can do in the moment necessarily, but there's always like tapping techniques. Um, I do a fast tap technique where you can just say, I release and let it go as you tap. Um, the deep breathing that I do is like an in for four, out for eight. Um, and then there's also in the retreat, um, the actual workshop has how many did I do? Four or five? I can't remember. Four or five tools that are very similar to like what we're talking about now, clearly, because I'm talking about how to not be triggered. Um, I think they're, they're probably very, they're probably a f at least four different ones than I just said now, but that's, that's another option is to, is to go check the, check out that whole, uh, workshop because I actually explain even more into depth, like what these different things are, are there for, how they help you. Um, and there's ones that you can do without like somebody noticing, right? Like nobody, people know when you're tapping, you want to be doing that, like in the grocery store, like, ah, tapping. but you do, there's a couple other options that are like very discreet. Um, okay. And once you can do, even when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're freaking out, you can do them because you can do it in the quiet silence. Um, so yeah, that's a couple of basic ones that I like to do. Yeah, that's cool. That was going to be my question is like, okay, what is like the most simplest thing that people can start doing when they are feeling elevated? But like you said, you just mentioned a couple of them and a couple more that will be inside of the retreat. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, can you give us a little sneak peek into what, I mean, I know you're going to be talking about triggered, um, yeah. triggered and highly sensitive kids, but give us a little sneak peek into that retreat you're going to be doing or that workshop, I should say. 
Yeah. So um, I actually do focus a lot on what highly sensitive means okay. in the workshop because I think it's super valuable, especially people that seek out a lot of this kind of help. They tend to be on the sensitive bend, even though they're not really aware of it. And not everybody, of course, but just even having the awareness of what highly sensitive means and how it's described. Um, I do it in very I do it in a lot more detail than I do in pretty much anything else. And so you can really see like, is this my kid? Is this me? And having that understanding is huge because mm-hmm. when you, when you actually know your child's highly sensitive, or you know, you are, you can act, you can really um, understand each other so much better. Like there's just this understanding of like why things are happening. And it's clear that there's nothing that's gone wrong right? When your child is doing certain things, because it's really just related to high sensitivity. Um, And then also I talk through kind of like how the world itself doesn't necessarily jive with us highly sensitive people. Like it becomes, it becomes very difficult for us to navigate kind of this culture, this, as we were talking about earlier, this overwhelming fast paced culture, right? Where we have to like, we take on too much sometimes or we're expected to take on so much. Um, so I talk a little bit about that. And then I talk about, um, again, what being triggered means really, really in detail. And then I go into more um, more tools and I do a little, actually I do at the end, a hypnosis, I would say like a hypnosis um, relaxation uh, it's like a technique at the end where you can just sit there and listen to me. Um, and it creates lowered stress immediately. <laughs> cool. So when yeah. you're saying um, your term highly sensitive, I'm all, I'm wondering, do you think people confuse or they, they misname like anxiety versus highly sensitive? Cause what I was just picturing in my head, I was like, I bet people who, who just throw out the blanket term, Oh, I have anxiety. And of course, anxiety mm-hmm. is a very real thing. But aside from that, I'm wondering if some people actually are just really highly sensitive, but they don't know that or they don't realize that or it's not crossed their brain that that's a different option. And we just blanket term everything anxiety. Oh, yeah. I mean, you will most likely see if you have if you have anxiety, you will see almost. Well, I take that back. Most highly sensitive people are anxious, will have anxiety. I would say most a lot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what that is, your anxiety is just a high activation of your nervous system, right? So when you're sensitive, your nervous system is is very, very sensitive to emotion. Okay. So you're going to feel everything more deeply. You're going to, it's almost like that bucket idea. You're, wait, did I talk to you about the bucket idea? Yes. <laughs> um, so the, the, I've been talking to a lot of people today. Um, so like the bucket, like if it fills up with stress, um, and then it overflows. That's when you have like the, you lose it or you have anxiety. So either you get angry or you have anxiety when the bucket overflows. And what happens is for highly sensitive people, it's like their buckets already half filled like all the time. So they're already starting at this sort of like less capacity, like lower capacity for stress. And so the goal when you, when you know, so when you think about anxiety, it's going to happen much more light, more, more easily and quickly with a person that has less capacity for intent, these intense emotions that they're feeling. Mm. Their nervous system is going to be activated much more quickly and much more frequently with more things. And plus, highly sensitive people are overthinkers. Like they, they are highly observant. They notice tons of things that are happening around them that most people don't. So they're processing all this stuff at once um, deeply, not just like you know, surface level, they're deeply processing everything in their environment, everyone's feelings, everyone's, you know, every every light, every sound, that's going to be 
filling up that bucket real quick, right? So that's why it's so critical that you're you're 100% about, right about the anxiety that we as highly sensitive people understand how to like clear that bucket out. Like otherwise it's going to be a much more difficult way to navigate the world essentially. So Oh, that is so interesting because I'm just even thinking to myself, oftentimes I want to, I want to say, oh, I think I'm anxious, but it's like, that doesn't really cover it. That's not really how I'm feeling. Like your quote, I have been, I have had anxiety before, so I know that feeling, but I think I'm just highly sensitive. (laughs) You know, I'm like processing everything all the time. You're just, yeah, you're just getting overstimulated, which overstimulation actually feels like anxiety. It's a very similar sensation. Ah, Yeah. An overall arousal. There you go. Because like, understanding yourself so important. Yes, <laughs> I'm overstimulated lots of times, so that is so cool. Okay, interesting. And, and yeah, and especially highly sensitive kids, they get very overstimulated very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see meltdowns as a result, which aren't something that they're like upset about. It's that their whole nervous system is completely overstimulated. Okay. So, what would you say to somebody whose child is having? a meltdown because their stimulation has gotten too high, their bucket is full, they're overfilling now mm-hmm. and they're having a meltdown. What's I always ask our guests when they're when we're ending the show just to leave us with like a little bit of um, inspiration or motivation or something for maybe somebody who's having a hard day or they just need a little pick me up. And so I'll sort of um, point you in the direction of, okay, your kid's having a tantrum or, or a f- absolute meltdown you can tell that it's been too much. What, what do you say to that parent? Oh, first of all, um, you know, you're doing everything you can and it's not your fault that this is happening. Um, and I just want, you know, especially highly sensitive parents, like I just want them to know that like they do take everything on themselves. They want to be perfect and it's actually not possible, right? We're going to make mistakes. And there is this idea around because of social media, um, and all these new parenting styles that they're, you know, we need to be perfect parents. And that is not going to happen ever, of course. And we know that, you know, in the back of our minds, but we expect us, we expect to have that experience when we're with our kids. And so if a kid's, if a kid is really emotional, really melting down, like number one, like just know that the most important thing you can do is regulate yourself. Um, in those moments. And the other thing is to have compassion for that kid who's struggling like crazy in that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And just know that it's temporary, it's solvable, and it's normal. And all you have to do is really be present and be there with them and be there uh, holding space for them, like you said earlier. Yeah. That's your only job in that moment. Right. And it won't happen 100% of the time. You won't be able to do that all the time. Yeah. (laughs) What? And that's okay. (laughs) (sighs) Having compassion for yourself and your child. That to me seems like the golden thread throughout this whole podcast is like having the compassion for yourself as the parent and compassion for the child. Correct. Yep, exactly. That is so cool. Well, thank you so much for being on this show and being a part of our Evolve and Expand online retreat. Where can people find you? Because I know there's going to be people being like, oh, I need a parenting coach. Where can people find you and how can they work with you? So I actually, um, I'm on Instagram a lot. So that's Adrian Bishop coaching on Instagram, A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E. And then also it's the same name for my website. So if you want to check that out, 
Um, there's a lot, there's a free, actually there's a free video on there for highly parenting, highly sensitive kids. And it's like a 20 minute video and it just gives you an overview of what highly sensitive is and how to start if you think your child might be highly sensitive. Um, and then um, there's also, you know, buttons with free consults for, for, for like just to talk to me about what's going on and see if coaching is a right fit for you on my website. Amazing. And we'll have all of that in the show notes. Okay, my friend. Well, thank you so much for being here and we'll see you on the other side. Yeah, thank you. All right. Take care. If you've made it to the end of this episode, that means you're committed to expanding your mindset, shifting your beliefs, and the journey back to self. We are so honored and absolutely grateful to have you along for the ride. If you enjoyed this conversation, please help us spread the message by sending this episode to a friend. The Rising Rebel is dedicated to creating a paradigm shift where women remember how truly magical and innately worthy they are. See you next week, and remember... Empowered women are good for the world.